So by now, I hope you've heard the good news. The latest edition of Mindful Landlord, so Mindful Landlord 2nd Edition, is out. And, you know, I wanted to just let you know why I wrote this book a little bit. And part of it is that I feel like there are some ideas in terms of how you optimize mental performance that really help people or they anyway they've helped me on my real estate journey and part of what i wanted to do with the book is to really share some of the methodology behind optimizing your mind to be successful in real estate and then of course a more down-to-earth approach of how to run rental property for profit and peace of mind not to fall into the trap of more doors more dollars more deals so if you want to check out the book, this is really the best thing and the closest way you can have to having Terry in your corner when you make your real estate decisions. Hey, it's JP. Hi, it's Excel. And you're listening to Terry Shower on the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. I'm here with Dustin Heiner, who's joining us from Phoenix, Arizona. Did I get that right? You sure did. Good. So Dustin, tell us what you do and how you got where you are. Yeah, I'm a real estate investor. I love investing in real estate. It's not necessarily that like real estate's fantastic, even though it is, don't get me wrong, but it's what it affords me to do in my life. Like I literally quit my job when I was 37 years old. Uh, I call it successfully unemployed uh, because I found another way to make money to provide for my family without working that J-O-B. And I use an acronym J-O-B, that job is you're living just over broke. And so I found a way by investing in rental properties. So I like residential four units and below residential rental properties where I make money in passive income because that's how I feed my family. But I appreciate you having me on the show. Okay. Well, like, so tell us a little bit of what that journey was like. So you said you quit your job when you were 37. When did you start? Yeah. So I started when I started investing when I was 26, I believe 25 to 26. I started investing. But yeah, like I said, I quit my job when I was 37 years old. But all my life, I've been going the same exact path that we're all taught. So we're all taught this. You go to school, you get good grades. And then with those good grades, you go to college, you get good grades all over again. And then you get thousands and thousands of dollars into debt. And then you take that piece of paper, you get that degree that they give you. And you try to go find a job or a career at a company anywhere that'll be able to have you work for 40, 50 years and eventually retire at 65, 70 years old on what you managed to save your entire life. So I was going that entire route, you know, following that path because that's what I was taught. And, but at the same time, I was always entrepreneurial. You know, start, I liked the idea of business. And so being entrepreneurial, I started a graphic website design company. I even had a newspaper out when I was 13 years old, where, you know, you ride around with your bike and you have newspapers in bags and you throw them at 5 a.m. and bang them on garage doors, waking people up. I had the graphic website design company. I had a skateboard manufacturing business. I even had a convenience store and a pizzeria. I started these all from the ground up. They were making me a little bit of money, but they weren't enough to where I could quit my job because I had employees, I had to pay them. So I was still working my nine to five. So I got to give you, a, quickly tell you the story of what shoved me to become a real estate investor. And I, as, as I've been going through this plan, I started working for an I, the IT department at a local county government in California, so local government, and I was doing IT, one of the most stable, you know, risk-free job that's IT and for the government in California, like that's like perfectly stable. <laughs> and so my wife and I started having kids and I bought one rental property and I thought, you know what? I really love not working and making money from this one property. And so I knew I needed to be an investor, but like it always happens for everybody, life gets in the way. 
and we started having kid after kid. Eventually we had four children and here's a story. So my wife had our fourth child and I'm working a normal, you know, desk sit down job and I go on paternity leave. That's where the dad stays home with the mom, changes poopy diapers and bonds with the baby and, you know, helps mommy out. And for about two weeks, and then I go back to work. And in that week that I go back to work on a Friday at 3.30 in the afternoon, I get a call from my boss's 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 secretary, like the, the top dog. And she says, Dustin, would you please come to the office? And I said, sure. And I hung up the phone and I paused for a second. And I thought, why would they be calling me in the office? Like, this isn't normal. I've, this, I, I've seen plenty of movies and at Friday at 3.30 in the afternoon, it's not, not a good phone not call. Not a good phone call. <laughs> exactly. And as I sat there, I remembered a couple months before I went on paternity leave, there were some rumors or some rumblings going on in the office that there could potentially be layoffs, yeah, running low on, on money. And I, I immediately shook that off. I said, there's no way. I got lots of seniority. Been here 12, 13 years. My bosses think I do a great job. I get raises all the time. Everything's fine shook it off and I get up and I walk down the hallway to my boss's office. Now, Terry, this hallway isn't very long. In fact, it's it's kind of short, but every single step that I take, it feels like the hallway gets longer and longer and longer. And it feels like my feet become lead bricks because every single step is like I, the weight of the world is starting to crash on my shoulders that I could potentially lose my job. Well, I get down the hallway and I turn the corner and I see my boss's door. His door's closed and his secretary, super sweet, nice old lady. And she says, Dustin, would you please have a seat? And she's sheepishly grinning at me and trying to console me with her eyes because she knows everything about what's going on. I know nothing about what's going on. And I go and take my seat. And sitting there, I start thinking about my life. Like if I lose my job right now, everything that I've been taught, this whole plan that I was taught, that we're all taught, did I waste my life doing this? And then I thought, oh my goodness, we just had our fourth child like three weeks ago. If I lose my job right now, does that make me a failure as a, as a father, as a, as a husband trying to provide for his family? Well, as I'm sitting there, my hands get all clammy. My forehead gets all sweaty because the weight of everything is crushing down on me. Then the door to my boss's office opens up and out walks a coworker of mine, a lady, um, coworker of mine, and she passes by me and she is noticeably distraught, noticeably upset. She's not necessarily crying, but you could tell her world has been rocked. She passes by and my boss says, Dustin, would you please come to the office? So I get up and I go into his office and I get laid off. And remember, this is the government. Nobody gets fired or laid off from the government, but I did. So I took that layoff notice and I go back to my desk and I sit down and I realize two things sitting there at my desk. And this is the reason why I tell the story. First thing was I need to get another job. I need to be able to provide for my family. So I was really, really blessed, praise the Lord, to be able to find another job in the same county, a different department. They weren't having the issues with money. Check, got over there. The second thing that I realized sitting in that chair, just getting laid off, was I need to make sure that this never, ever happens to me again. I need to make sure that nobody has the ability to take, to take away my ability to feed my family. So what I realized was whenever anybody would ask me the question, Dustin, what do you do? And we all get that question. What do you do? I would respond, oh, I do IT work for the local county government. I'm basically projecting my value in myself as in my job. No, my value doesn't come from my job. My value comes from my God, from myself, and from my family. So sitting there in that chair, I said, no longer will I tell anybody that my job is my value. Because remember, I wanted to be an investor, but life got in the way. Right then and there, I said, I'm now going to tell every single person that I meet that I am an investor. It may so happen that 100% of my money comes from my job. That's now my part-time job. I am a full-time investor. 
fast forward the story, started working at the new county department, started buying property after property after property, each one making me $250 or more in passive income. Eventually I had 30 plus properties and I realized, my goodness, even though I'm making $75,000 a year at this job, I'm losing money and everybody needs to realize this. And I had, I had this realization came that I, my boss is not paying me what I'm worth. In fact, everybody needs to realize that your value is so much more than anybody could ever pay you. And this is how you'll know. Your boss is paying you just enough to keep you working without quitting, but not so much money that takes money out of their pocket. And so what if you got paid for what you're worth, they'd go bankrupt. So what I realized was I need to be full-time investing because I already had the money coming in. So I went to my, I rounded the story by saying, I went to my new boss, great boss and all, after a couple more years, it was about seven years of investing. Then I finally was able to quit my job. I went to my new boss and said, hey boss, I'm laying you off. Like here's your two weeks notice, you know, in a joking way. And he said, Dustin, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I don't have to do anything. I own real estate. I literally don't work. It makes me money without working. So I don't need to work. And the last part of the story is I walked last, the last time walking from my job to my car. It's a mile and a half walk. I've taken this walk a thousand times contrast to the one that I walked down that hallway where the room got longer and longer. This walk was the best walk of my life because I knew I would never, ever need a job again, because now I'm getting paid for the value that I bring because of my business. And on top of that, nobody could ever take away my ability to feed my family. So I'll, I'll pause the story because you probably got plenty of questions. No, but I think like that's a really great story, you know, and I think it definitely meshes with what's been my experience, which is, you know, like I have a lot of friends with professional jobs. And I remember like, you know, 15 years ago when I started investing, bought my first property when I was 26 years old, just like you. And, you know, we used to chat with each other and they would tell me like, Terry, I could never do what you do. Like, it seems so risky, da da da. And then like now fast forward 15 years, they've been laid off maybe three, four times. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, wow, you know, like I look at the kind of stability that like my career as an investor. And, you know, I also have a property management company, like the kind of job security that I have, you actually can't compete with that as a salaried employee, because it just doesn't offer you the same kind of control and the same kind of stability where you're the one who makes the decisions. So I think that's a, you know, a fairly common experience once you get over the hump of fear to actually just take the leap and, and do it. Yeah. And the reason why I tell the story is I realize, and I try to help everybody else to realize, like learn from my mistake, it is more risky to put your family's livelihood, being able to feed them in somebody else's hands. Yeah. It's so much more risky. Like, again, remember I said, I got the most stable job I could ever think of IT in a local government in California. And yet that still got taken away from me. And so if it can happen to me, it can happen to anybody. And I realized that it was more risky to do that than to invest, invest in real estate. And that's a lot of things. Like when I teach my students, I have a bunch of students that I coach how to invest in real estate. And that's the hardest part for them to get over their minds mm -hmm. is that they can do it, that it's not nearly as risky as other things. Because we've all been told from, let's say, aunts and uncles or people that we know, oh, don't invest in real estate. I had a horrible time. I had bad tenants, blah, blah, blah. They're projecting their lack of knowledge of how to do this business right onto you that's their limitations. That's not your limitations. Mm -hmm. You can do it. You need to be able to look past that and say, you know what? It's much more risky. I'm going to learn from Dustin's mistake. In fact, I love the quote, a smart man learns from his mistakes, but a smart, uh, a, a wise man actually learns from other people's mistakes. So I want you to be wise. Like this happened to me. It, it will happen to anything. And the last quote I'll give you really quickly is it's not 
if you lose your job. It's when it will happen. When I was like 20 years old, I, I heard that saying, I'm like, oh, that's not me. I work hard. I'll, I'll be totally fine. I'm the hardest worker that I know. No, it happened. Doesn't matter if I work hard. They just didn't have the money. So they had to let me go. Yeah. Yeah. But so, okay. Tell me a little bit about, you know, how you were able to do what you do. So I get, you know, the, like the revelation, the fact that, you know, you got to quit your job, but like, how do you do this? Like, you know, I don't know how many properties you own by now, but it seems like you've been able to kind of scale and like, you know, find deals and then find financing. So, you know, what's your, what's your secret? Yeah, I love that. So the secret is building the business first. That's by far the biggest secret that you can ever go after. Second is quick, second, really quick, invest for passive income. Don't invest for appreciation. Literally invest for passive income monthly where you make money. I'll give you a quick example. If you make $250 a month from every single property, I'm talking about US dollars, but $250 a month from every single property that you buy, which is what I did. I bought one property is making me $250 a month. Then I thought, okay. And I asked my wife, I said, Hey honey, how much money do we have in expenses? Like how much money do I need to make to cover our expenses? I remember the number like plain as day, $4,200 covered mortgage and insurance and all that sort of stuff. And I said, okay, $4,200. And it was just simple arithmetic or simple math. One pro or one property making me $250 a month without working. This is passive income. Because remember, we build the business. We have other people do the work, which I'll get into in just a second. If you had one property, one year, that's $3,000 a year in passive income. If you had 10 properties making you $250 a month, that's $2,500 a month without working. That is $30,000 a year without working. 20 properties is $5,000 a month, $60,000 a year in passive income. And that's just the minimum. I have properties maybe five, six, $700 a month, every single month. But the biggest, I'll quickly go back to the biggest thing that I want to share with everybody is we build the business first. So what I did, I listened to the quote unquote gurus back in 2006. That's when I first started investing. And this is what they say. So I'll tell you this, but quickly forget it. I'm just going to quickly give you what they say, but I'll, then I'll tell you the right way to do it. So what they say is you want to find a, a property anywhere in the country or anywhere, and you spend thousands of dollars to buy the property, you run the numbers to make sure you make a little bit of money in passive income, $50 or something like that. And I, like I said, I don't invest for appreciation. I invest for cash flow, and this is generational wealth. Like if you can see the video, you can see that these kids, that my four kids, I'm literally gonna give these properties to my kids. So I'm gonna hold on to them. So, but here's what they say: uh, run the find a property anywhere in the country, run the numbers, make sure you can make a little money, in, a little bit of money in passive income. Spend thousands of dollars to buy the property. Spend thousands of dollars to fix up the property. Then you find a tenant and then you find a property manager. Well, in my opinion, that's just about backwards. What we do, what I do and what I teach, and this is, I literally did this all over the country in, in America. And with that, developed somewhat of a system. And then I start teaching it people because it was like, man, friends and family members want to learn how to do this. But we build the business. Let me give you an example of what building the business first looks like. If you're going to start a convenience store, you know, a convenience store, you have candy bars, soda machines, all that good stuff. Well, you're not going to sign a lease on a location open the doors and set a box of candy bars in there on the ground. No, you're not going to do that. What you would do is you'd build the business first. You get the, all the gondolas, all the shelving units that all the candy bars go on, the countertops, the cold storage, bank accounts, cash registers, insurance, everything in the business before you buy any inventory. Same thing with real estate investing. We build the entire business and then we buy a piece of property and that property is our inventory. The gurus will tell you, you buy that property, that property is your business. No, 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 no. My business owns 
inventory and my inventory happens to be properties. And so what I do is I buy that and I put that into the business because I have experts, great property managers, great contractors, handymen, all these other people in the business to do it for me that live there anywhere because I invest out of state. I love investing mm -hmm. anywhere because I hire the right people in those areas. Like you're a property manager. I love hiring great property managers. They do all the work for me. It's so much better because I hire the experts, but that's what we do is we build the entire business. Then we make sure that we account for all of our expenses, make sure we're making $250 or more from every single property after the rent or from the rents. And if it fits our business model, will buy it. Does that all make sense? Because that's how I was able to scale mm -hmm. my business. I just bought another property, put it in my business, bought another property, put it in my business. So let's get a bit more specific on that. So like map it out for me. Let's say, okay, I'm, I'm Canadian. I want to invest somewhere in the US. Dustin, how do I do that? How do I build a business? Uh, not knowing anything, not knowing any markets, not knowing any people. What do I do? I'll say that quick, broad thought is you need to be educated. Obviously that's, that's number one thing. Like you're not going to go get a job without going to college or, you know, you're, you're going to get educated. That's the first that with the ground level of education, you got to know what you're doing. Number one, but number two, if you're wanting to invest, like, let's say you live in Canada, cause I have students that live in Canada and they want to invest in America. The first step is, and because this is a little nuanced because of out of the country, you need to make sure you have a, a bank account that is in America. That's like the, the, preliminary. You have to have that from that. Like it's much easier for Americans because we already have the bank account. But if you're a Canadian, you just got to make sure you have an American bank account from that point forward. It's literally the same thing that I teach every single other student that I have. You can invest anywhere in the country. In fact, I live in Arizona and I invest in Ohio, Texas, and Arizona. I have students that live all over the country and we invest all over the country. Same exact principles apply to anybody that lives anywhere. In fact, I have students in Switzerland. I have students in Israel. I have students like literally all over the country as well as the world. So this is what we do. I'll, I'll pause by, I'll quickly say, my students will ask me, hey, Dustin, you invest in Ohio. You invest in this state. You're the expert. Tell me about this. Like, talk to me about like where I should invest. And I say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I am not the expert. Even though I invest there, I know my market. I am not, I don't want to be the expert. I want to hire the experts that who literally live there on the ground. Like, you know, there's a websites that show you the market values. Like in America, Zillow is a popular site, but Zillow is not the expert. It's just a database of information. Mm -hmm. Who are the experts? Those are the people that literally live there on the ground, the great property managers, the contractors, real, real estate agents. But what we do, and this is the step-by-step -step process, we make sure we find an area in the country that has good inventory. Remember, this is a business. We're buying inventory. I want to buy homes that are cookie-cutter type homes, three-bedroom, two-bath, 1,200 to 1,400 square feet, properties that everybody either wants to buy or rent so I can obviously take care of every single aspect of that property. With that, when I find a city that has great inventory that makes sure that I can buy the property low enough and rent it for high enough where I make the passive income mm -hmm. of $250, once I see the city, great, this city has lots of inventory that I could potentially buy because you don't want to buy one property in one city and then never be able to buy another one because mm -hmm. it's not in your price range. That's a lot of work to build the business to only get one piece of inventory. Mm -hmm. But what we do is we find a good city, lots of inventory in there, then once we have that, we pause looking at everything else, like looking at properties. A lot of my students will say, hey, Dustin, I found a great city, great inventory. I already have five realtors sending me deals. I say, whoa, 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 stop, stop, stop. Who do you have to manage those deals? Mm -hmm. like, oh, I don't have anybody mm -hmm. yet. And I said, no, no, no. Realtors are last. You don't mm -hmm. even need to worry about realtors. Properties will come. In fact, I'll teach you how to get 
like literally deals coming to you in your email because it's that's really not that hard. But what is hard is making sure that you have somebody that will manage it for you. Because what like if you follow what the quote unquote gurus will tell you, they'll say that you find you do that entire process, and then once you're done, the last thing is find a property manager. Well, and this mm -hmm. happens to a lot of people. They go and try to find a property manager. Hey, property manager, would you manage my property? The property manager might reply, and this has happened many times for a lot of people I've talked to. No, I'm not going to manage that property. I'll get shot if I go over there. Well, you no longer have an asset. You have a liability mm -hmm. because you can't rent it, number one. And number two, nobody's going to manage it unless you do it yourself. So that's what we do is we find the inventory. Then we go after the property manager. Now, I will also say you need to also interview the property manager. What I did, the very I followed, I literally followed the gurus and I realized that's wrong. And I built the business first. I because I'm entrepreneurial. So I said, Well, I'll quickly say in six months, because I did everything the gurus said, I found a property manager. She started stealing from me within six months. Oh, no. It was horrible. It, it was so bad. So I realized it's possible. I can actually people have done this in the past. I just got to figure this out. And then I approached it, my business mindset, because I've started many businesses. And I thought if I approach it as a business, what would I do? So I started doing exactly what I'm telling you now. From there, now I literally have people in the business working and building up my business for me without me working. But the, I mean, really, the key is finding the inventory, building the business starts with the property manager who's going to manage your business. So if you're going to start a convenience store, same convenience store analogy, you're not going to grab somebody off the street and say, hey, you got a pulse. Come on in here. You manage my money. You manage my inventory. You manage my bank account. You manage everything. No, you're not going to do that. You're going to interview them. So my suggestion, and I have like a list of like literally 22 questions that I give to my students, the questions you should ask your property managers and the answers. And on top of that, I'll give you a quick tip, everybody, a quick tip. So texting is not an interview and email is not an interview. What is an interview? You talk to them on the phone. You need to interview your property managers. This is like, this is your quarterback, or this is the main person on your entire business that's going to manage your business very, very well. I hire slow, and then I fire fast. Like if they mess up, and they mess up multiple times, then I get rid of them. But I hire very slow, because I want to make sure that this person, this property manager I'm working with, I could work with them for 10, 15, 20 years, and I can I can do whatever I want in my life, like travel the world, and I don't even talk to them because they know how to run my business and I mm -hmm. trust them. So that's my suggestion is we find the inventory, then we go after the property manager. Then we go after funding, which is financing. We can get into all that stuff, but that's the literally the first few steps that you must take. Leave realtors and other people that are going to find you deals to the very last. You know what? I absolutely love that advice, maybe because I have had a long life as a property manager. <laughs> and so I guess like, it, you know, that gives me an appreciation for just how make and break that position is. And, you know, I actually I started investing like I live in Montreal, which is kind of like the big city in uh, in Quebec. But I also invest in like kind of a smaller town outside. And that's exactly what I did first is I went out there and interviewed property managers because I realized like in terms of my own work with my clients here, the, that I can really like make or break their investments, you know? And when I Absolutely. see like, for me, I guess the pattern is more that I would end up picking up investments from clients who didn't really know how to manage them properly and, and, and then turn it around for them. But like poor management is really like deadly to whatever project you're trying to do. And I think like, I've never heard anyone put it into words, but I think you're absolutely right that like setting up your systems and the system is basically 
like your quarterback, right? Because like, who are you going to, the property manager who's going to know the contractors? It's them that's going to even be able to suggest neighborhoods to you. That's going to be like, okay, don't consider buying here because like you might not know the town super well and like that this is the bad area, but like if they know that and you don't, right? So I think that's really good totally. advice. And on top of that, I even have my property managers look at the properties for me. And mm -hmm. so here's, yeah. I'll give you some yeah. little more in, in intricate type of coaching. What I suggest to my students is when you have the right property manager, they're going to obviously know which areas are right to invest in, but they're also going to know the streets. Mm -hmm. And so if you have an expert, like a good property manager, you're going to be able to, and I'll give you an example. Let's say you use Zillow, which gives you, I guess, rent, rent estimates is what they call them, rent estimates. Basically what they think you could rent it for. Let's say, for example, this is, happens many, many times. Zillow says, okay, you should be able to rent this property that you're looking at that you want to buy for $1,400. Well, then if you rent your numbers on that $1,400, you make $250 a month, then that's great. If it was actually $1,400, a good property manager, yeah. will you'll say, hey, property manager, I'm looking at buying this property. What can you tell me about this property? What type of clientele I'm going to have? You know, the tenants, how much is going to cost to fix up? Is it an area that you're going to manage? That's a big question. Will you yeah. actually manage this property? And if they come back and say, you know what? I know that area. In fact, I have, I manage a property that's two streets over. Same exact everything. We tried to get $1,400. Like Zillow said, we can only get $1,250. Like, wow, that is amazing information. Because if you mm -hmm. ran your numbers off of 1400, you'd be losing money mm -hmm. possibly if you didn't get the right rents. The experts, the property managers are by far your number one asset in your business. Mm -hmm. oh, that's great advice. And uh, okay, so if that's your number one asset, what's your number two? What's the next thing you do after interviewing the property manager? Is getting financing. And a lot of people think, and I used to think this, you know, because we don't really know. We think the way you buy a rental property is you find a realtor and a, and a mortgage broker and you put them together and you buy a house. That's just one of at least 14 or 15 different ways that I've used to get financing. Financing is, so it's not just getting a mortgage. That's just one. But all types of financing, there's so many ways. I've used, like I said, 14. I'll give you a couple of quick examples. Obviously, you could buy with all cash. You can use a conventional loan, regular, like you're buying a regular house for yourself, a commercial loan. We, I love using my business because remember, we started the business. We create everything for the business so the business can buy properties. There's bundled loans where you bundle properties together with a bank. There's private money. I love private money. I get a lot of friends and family members and other people that want to invest with me. There's hard money, which you buy the property with hard money, short term, then you change it into a long-term loan. You can do that as well. You can even do a signature loan. I know in America, I'm not sure about Canada, but in America, you could go to a bank and say, hey, bank, I want to borrow some money. And they say, well, here's an unsecured line of credit. Basically, okay. it's not yeah, attached yeah, we to have a the, car. Yeah, we have that too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a signature loan is what it's called. So you can utilize that. It's higher interest, but as long as you make sure that it's paid for by the company. I've even used business. I've even used credit cards. Now, this is an advanced strategy. I even use credit cards, cash advance to buy properties. But here's the thing. I knew my business would make me money. I accounted for all those expenses for the signature loan or the credit card cash advance. I accounted for all those expenses. Like, hey, this property is going to make me so much money, even if I pay all these fees. But here's a, here's a great thing. So you'll definitely get this, Terry. I don't pay my mortgage on any of my properties. I don't pay my taxes. I don't pay my insurance. I don't pay for my property manager. I don't pay for repairs or any of that stuff. My tenants pay yeah. for all of that. It so happens the money goes into me and I flows back out to the bills, but I don't have to get a job to pay for my property manager. I get that question all the time. Dustin, how do you afford a property manager? I'm like, easy. 
I make sure it's accounted for. That expense is in my everything that I'm doing for my business. I don't buy it unless I can actually afford the property manager. Now, if I want to manage my property myself and save that money, then great. But let's say, God forbid, my you know grandma passes or she's like on her deathbed and I got to go help her and I can't manage the property anymore. I want to make sure that I have the money coming in to afford that property manager and still make me $250 mm -hmm. a month. But yeah, so financing is by far the number two thing, because if you don't have the financing, people to help you, I love using other people's money. OPM is a great term, utilizing other people's money to buy these properties. I don't have to actually save up like lots and lots and lots of money. I have so many other ways to get money for buying the property. Great. Thank you. So we're just uh, getting running up out of time, uh, Dustin, but maybe um, you can just kind of tell me, I know that you have like gotten into real estate education a little bit and like some of the, the tips that you've shared today, I think are really would be a value. Uh, you know, I, I find it very interesting. So tell me a little bit about the coaching that you do and where people can find you if they're interested in working with you. Absolutely. So I love helping. In, in fact, my goal is to help 1 million people reach financial independence through in, in investing in real estate. So I, I literally would get you started. I'll give everybody, if you don't mind, I can give everybody a free real estate investing course. Do you mind if I do that? Do it. Go for it. We'll drop it in the show notes. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. If you go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course, all one word forward slash free course, I will literally give you my real estate investing course, show you how to find an area of the country to invest, how to build a business first, how to make sure you're doing everything right to scale your business, to be able to quit your job. Like I said, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. But then again, like I said, I just want to give this away. So I have my podcast, the Master Passive Income Podcast. It's literally just me. I rarely do interviews. It's just me teaching all this stuff and just giving it all away. My YouTube channel as well. You can even go to Master Passive Income. Like literally just look up everywhere, Master Passive Income. I'm on Instagram too. I'm not like, you know, prolific or anything. So, but if you want to find me, the Dustin Heiner at Instagram or for, for Instagram, I'm not that arrogant. T-H-E, like the is the only one I could find. So uh, it's the Dustin Heiner. But yeah, I just want to help everybody. Like I said, my goal is to now change other people's life. Because Terry, I and you're definitely in this position too. It seems like the more people that we serve and help have better lives, the better our lives get. Mm -hmm. The more people that I can get into a good property at a decent rent, that's going to make me money and provide them good housing. That blesses them, blesses me. If more people that I share how to invest in real estate, that's helping their lives. But at the same time, if they want to work with me, I'll definitely, I have, I have group coaching. I have like five courses, extra courses that you can take, all this sort of stuff. I have everything for everybody. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Dustin. Thank you for spending this time with me today. And thank you for sharing some of your pearls with our audience. If you enjoyed this interview, please go ahead, share it, subscribe, and for sure, go check out Dustin, check out his course. I'm sure he's got a lot of stuff that would have a lot of value. Thank you. Thank you, Terry. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, remember to give us a rating, leave a comment, subscribe, and share. You can find Terry at terryshower.com. Her book, Mindful Landlord, is available on Amazon. You can also follow her on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. JP is the president of the Real Estate Investors Club. You can learn more about the club's networking and educational activities on Facebook by searching for Real Estate Investors Club. Look to the show notes to find information on our guests and links to material mentioned in the episode.